We come together to celebrate and to praise what God has done and what He continues to do in our lives. He makes us new. He helps us put the past behind us. He helps us to burn the ships. Now that doesn't mean that we forget the past. What it means is we're not bound by it. Because the past is the past. It's who we are. It's what shapes us to be the men and women we are today. It's our experiences. It's our conversations that shape us to who we are. But the world will tell you that's all we will ever be. And God tells you put it back. Put it behind you and don't look back. Because you've been made new. You're not bound by that stuff. There's a future ahead. This past weekend, as Gage said, we had 65 students that came to D-Now. And it was a joy to see every single one of them walk in. Grand total, when you add in the host homes, the people that open their homes for these wonderful students to come and sleep and hang out and party and have a good time. When you count in the drivers that came to shuffle them around all over Georgetown. When you count in the wonderful college leaders that gave up their weekends to come down. And i got to give a shout out to Nathan Jones on that one. Because about a couple of weeks prior to D-Now, every single one of the college leaders that I had lined up, exams, work, one of them was getting married. I don't know why they didn't see that coming, but one of them was doing that. But they all canceled one by one, and I called Nathan. I said, dude, I need some help. He leads a Bible study up at Baylor, and he said, I got you covered. Shelby drove up from UT. Nathan brought everybody down from Baylor, and we had a great group that spent the weekend with our students. So this is the month of February. It's close enough to the beginning of the year that this does not sound that awkward. But I want us to think about new beginnings. When we start the new year, we are always setting resolutions. We're always setting goals that we want to accomplish within a certain amount of time. I want to lose weight. I want to exercise more. I want to be a better person. These are just generic things that we oftentimes say. For me, one of mine is I want to get back in shape, and I've been saying that for several years now, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, move past that one. And uh, I have to, I, it was so funny, uh, Ariel Thomasy texted me after the first service, and she said, you want to get in shape, come to refit. <laughs> I'll make it work, we'll get there. These resolutions are things that we want to start doing or stop doing. Something we want to accomplish in a short amount of time. So I was curious as to what the common resolutions are. What are the top things that people look for? So I went on that all too reliable source that we all know about, that we can trust, the internet. The internet's where everybody gets their information from, right? I compiled a list of the top ones that I saw of resolutions out there. Learn something new. 
I want to grow in a new way. I want to learn a new task. I want to start a new career. I want to go back to school. I want to further my education. I want to learn something new. I want to learn a new language. Whatever it is, that's number one on a lot of people's lists. Become a better friend or family member. I'm not doing the best things and I need to fix it. Find a cause, something I can donate my stuff to, give my money to, give my time to. Find a cause, find a charity. Be a better role model for somebody. Manage stress more effectively. Give things up to God. They don't necessarily say that on the list, but I want you to keep that in mind as we move forward. Manage stress more effectively. I need stuff off my plate. I need to give up things that I'm holding on too tightly to. I want to read more. I want to study more. The big one that was across the list was I want to get off the couch a little more and do something, whether it's play sports, take a walk, walk my dog, swim, cycle, whatever it was. Generally, move around more and quit being a couch potato. Take a risk. Get out of my comfort zone. Do something that I've been dragging my feet on. Mark something off my bucket list. Do something that I have to literally take a risk. If we're a student, whether you're a teenager or an adult, you want to improve a GPA. You want to get better grades. You, you got college in front of you and you're thinking, man, I got to raise this up to get there. You're in college. You see graduation coming. You're like, yeah, I got to get this up or I'm not going to make it. Adults, we want a better career, so we go back to get an education, and we're wanting to improve our GPA to where we can do better when we get out. Use social media less so it doesn't control my life as much as it does today. These are the top ten things that I found on that source called the Internet. The problem is you can't trust everything that you see on the Internet. But that's where the world is going. They're going to the internet to find information of how to live my life better. An answer to every single one of those is right here in God's Word. Every single one of those is here. Every single one of them describes what a disciple looks like. What a new creation looks like. But a lot of times people go to the internet for the answers. The problem with the worldly resolutions is most people start off feeling really strong at the beginning and then they lose momentum and fall away. And things start to kind of flounder back to the way they were. Then there are, on the other hand, there are people that go beyond. They go into crazy mode. They do things that you wouldn't think of in order to accomplish a goal. Disciple now was this weekend. Disciple now, we did one of those crazy off-the-wall things yesterday. We had a scavenger hunt with a twist. The twist was, how many of y'all have ever done a scavenger hunt before in your life? Okay, most scavenger hunts are, you have this list and you gotta go find an item. You gotta go find something, you gotta go take a photo of something and bring it back. This one, I gave them a list of ten things. Ten different items that they had to go do in the Georgetown area. 
Their drivers drove them around. Their college leaders helped them. Every single one of them came with an idea. That list was created by one of our students of things he thought would be kind of cool. And they were. A couple of items off that list. One was to convince a total stranger that the sky is actually the color purple. To take a nap in a store for two minutes. Various things. Play football with a roll of paper towel down an aisle. Now, while that may sound crazy, and you may think, Mark, why would you ever let that happen? Why would you do that? Why would you send my kids to do that? There was a condition on each and every one of them. And they came through it with flying colors, and I'm so proud of every single one of those students. Ten things to do gave ten opportunities to share the gospel. And they did. They shared the gospel through all these interactions. They asked people in, play, in um, employees, people they came in contact with, hey, can we pray for you over something? And they sat there and they prayed with them. They interacted on a way. And the reason why you do the crazy and off-the-wall things is because the hardest thing to do when sharing the gospel is starting the conversation. And that doesn't matter if you're a teenager or an adult. It is the hardest thing to do. To start the conversation. Because we're afraid of offending somebody. We don't know how to start it because we don't fully understand it ourselves. That's why Pastor Ernest has been walking us through what is the gospel? What does it mean? Ten, uh, ten situations to share the gospel. Whatever goals or plans you lay before you, what re- whatever resolutions you make, the most they can ever do is make you a better person. The most they can ever do is make you a healthier person. The most they could ever do is make you a smarter person. They cannot make you a new person. They cannot get rid of who you are and make you something new. But the good news is there is something that can. There is somebody who has the power to do that, and that is God. And how can he do it? Through the gospel. That makes us a new creation. That turns us into something New. It doesn't matter how disciplined we become, how many goals we set, how many self-help books we read. It does not convert us into something new. It does not transform us from the inside out the way that the gospel does. The way that what God did for us does. On our own, we can't bring about any lasting change or transformation. But God can. At the cross, Jesus did something for you and me that we could not do for ourselves. Through his death, his resurrection, he provided a way for us to be new people. Not in terms of an upgrade, like when we're talking about our phones or our computers, a better version of ourself, but in a sense that is a fundamental change that reaches down to our core and changes us. It starts on the inside and starts to work its way out. It starts to shine through. God's love is shining through you into this world, into this kingdom. What if our goals and our resolutions could line up with God's plan? What if one of our big focuses was to live like the person, the new person that God created us to be. What if that is what we started off the year with? 
What if that is what we started today with? What if we started off with that mindset? We're going to read a passage here in a second, but before we do, I want to give you a little bit of background behind it. The book, or it's actually a letter, was written by Apostle Paul to some people in a place called Corinth. Paul was writing to them to encourage them, to challenge them, and to remind them of some things. Like what it means to be new. What it means to be born again. And why that even matters. Oftentimes we think that, that question right there. Why does it matter? If I live good, if I do what, I'm, what I know is right. My parents raised me. They know what uh, right and wrong. And they've taught me that. As long as I do that, what does it matter about something else? What does it matter about having a relationship with God? What does it matter if I actually live it out? I'm doing some things. I'm being good. The problem is oftentimes we confuse good with goodness. We confuse being good with having the spirit inside of us. We confuse good with having a relationship with God. These words had big implications back then and they do for us today. Let's stand out of respect for God as we're reading through his word and listening to him speak to us out of 2 Corinthians five, fourteen through 17. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet we now no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone, doesn't say someone, it says anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. The old has passed away, and the new has come. You may be seated. What a great passage to remind us of who we are as God's children. That when we accept Christ into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, and we say, God, transform me, turn me inside out, show me your love, guide and direct me. When that happens, and we become the new creation, We become born again. What a great passage to remind us of that. Specifically, this morning, there are three ways that this takes place in our life that I want to talk about. Number one, we become a new person. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. This means that something has fundamentally changed inside At the core of who we are. Some of us wish that other aspects of our life would change. Some of us hope that if I accept Christ, then I will start to physically change. It doesn't always work that way. But spiritually we change, we grow. 
The old has passed away and see the new has come. That's meaning your life, your addictions, your history, your past. You're not bound by them. God has made you a new creation. You've accepted Christ in your heart saying, God, you are the most important thing to me. And while we live that, the old starts to drift. Satan hates to lose. He absolutely hates to lose. And if we give him any kind of a hook, he's going to dig in with both hands. And he's going to pull us apart. And he's going to say, you know that past that you're trying to forget? Well, you're never going to be any better than that. You're not going to be any more than this. Those addictions have you hooked. You cannot escape them. That's a lie. But too many people buy in. Too many people give in to that. I told you the students were running around having a scavenger hunt. They were praying for people. And one of the groups had the oddest reaction to asking for prayer that I've ever heard. I've never witnessed this. I've never experienced this myself. I've had people say, no, thank you. Or even turn and walk off, but I've never had what they had. One of the groups asked a cashier at a local restaurant, can we pray for you? The manager was behind and the manager said, where's Satan when you need him? I've never heard that. But that's the world we're living in. Where is Satan when you need him? No, no, no. Where's God? It didn't deter them. They called me up. They said, Mark, does that count? I said, I said, I'll give you credit for that one because I've never experienced that myself. They went on to pray for other people. They went on to share the gospel with other people. They went on to continue their weekend having fun being the hands and feet of Christ. That's what more of us need to be like. Too often in this world, we get a setback and we think, okay, that defines who I am. Or we may walk away from a conversation like that where somebody hollers that out and we go, well, there's no use because this world's lost. And then we drift off to the side and we go, God, why is there so much evil in this world? Why can't you do something to fix this? And God is looking back at us and going, I did. I sent my son to die for you, to free you, so you could go do it. Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you out there? I'm waiting on you to act. Remember the greatest commandment? Go make disciples. Go and spread the word. Why aren't you doing it? We become a new person when we put our trust in God. We begin to follow him faithfully and fully. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Now this is not saying that the reason we shouldn't lie is because we might get caught. What this is saying is we shouldn't lie anymore because it's simply not who we are. 
We shouldn't be spreading falsehood. We shouldn't be buying into falsehood. It's not who we are anymore. These past experiences, these past addictions, these present addictions are not who we are. We have been made new. For some of us, this is really hard to see because we've bought into the lie that we will never be more than we are. That what experiences we have or my addictions are holding me captive and I'm nothing more than that. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. That's the world. They're reaching out. They're crying out for something. And they're going to any source that will give them the answer. That they want to hear. But what they need to hear is the same thing we need to hear, which is the truth. Which is the gospel. What would happen if we began to embrace that truth? If we began to embrace that and lived our lives in such a way? If we say that God is the most important thing in our life, well, what if we actually lived it? What would the world be like? The world would be completely different, I'll tell you that. We believe that we're bound by our past because that's what Satan wants us to hear. But God says we are no longer to stand condemned and bound by our past. He sent his son to free us. Paul says in Romans 8, 1 through 2, that we're not no longer a liar, a cheater, a victim, or an addict. Those are no longer who you are. That's no longer your identity. You've been made new by the grace and mercy of God. You are a new person. The second point, we develop a new perspective. We see things differently. In addition to becoming a new person, we will begin to develop a new perspective. Let's see what Paul says in 5.16. It says, Paul says, from now on then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, we no longer know him that way. Why? Because we spend time intimately with God. Another way of saying this is that our perspective has changed and we see things through God's eyes. We see things the way he sees them. Through love. Ever see anybody down on their luck and think, man, you're useless. That's the world sees. We look at them and go, there's hope for you. God loves you. Let me help you. Let me give you something. Let me help you in such a way that you understand it. Let me pray for you when we're out in public. Instead of thinking about people in terms, as Paul did, of Jew and Gentile, or instead how we see the world that sees today out of race and ethnicity, We should see each other as brothers and sisters. We should see each other as God's children. When we're made new, our perspective changes. Our sin, our time has gone. This change affects our relationships, our values, our morals, the way we spend our time, and yes, even the way we spend our money. 
We begin to see life through a new lens, through God's lens, through his eyes. When a person begins to follow Christ, God sends the Holy Spirit to transform him from the inside out. For some, this may be a slow process, but for others, it happens more rapidly. But the rate of change depends on how much time you spend with God. How much time you let the Holy Spirit work inside of your heart. Last night, when we closed out D-Now with our final worship, it was, it was an interesting mix because the whole weekend had been awesome. The whole weekend had been full of service projects. The whole weekend had been full of praying over people, of growing, of nurturing. And I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of each and every one of our students. But I gotta tell you somebody that I'm beyond proud of. Seven months ago, seven months ago, I think, had a young man come up to me, one of our students, and say, hey, Mark, have you chosen the theme for D-Now yet? No, I haven't. I've been tossing around a few things, but I just don't have anything. He said, let me give you an idea. How about burn the ships? Have you heard that song yet? I kind of heard it on the radio, but I didn't really pay attention too much to it. He said, let me tell you about it. He told me the history behind it. He told me where the song comes from. The fact of Cortez and the explorers and how they set fire to the ships is a signal they're not turning back. They're going full force. Life is new. Life has changed. That song, the words in that song have an impact about being made new. And we spent a while talking about it, and I said, okay, I like the idea. I like the idea on one condition. You help me plan D-Now. You help me come up with the T-shirts. You help me come up with the design. You're the one that's the driving force with this one this year. And he said, okay, maybe. I said, oh, and I'm throwing one other on you. You're preaching Friday night at D-Now. Jaw dropped. I don't think I can do that. I said, you can do it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God's going to walk you through it. He never calls the prepared. He prepares the called. He's moving in your life. You can do it. For six months, we worked together on a sermon that he delivered to his peers at D-Now Friday night. If you had asked him to do that a couple of years ago, you were not going to get that out of him. I'm beyond proud of Gage Bowles. Gage showed what it means to be new. To have a relationship with God and let it transform you into serving somebody else. The rate of change happens depending on how close you are and how much you spend with God. As I was reading back through the, the sermon this morning, 
reading back through these passages, kind of get my head back into this morning. I was convicted by something. I was convicted by something, and I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that, God. I don't know because I don't know where I stand on it. Maybe I'm guilty of this. The third point is we're given a new purpose. And I'm going to get to what convicted me here in a second. But in 2 Corinthians 5.15 it says, And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for him and was raised. This is our new mission. It's no longer just about us and our selfish needs, our selfish desires, our selfish wants, what this world is telling us we should do. God loves to take old things and make them new. And part of being made new means that we're not only have a new perspective, but we have a new purpose. You and I were born again new to fulfill God's purpose through our lives. But in order to do that, we have to grow closer to God. We can't fulfill the purpose. We can't have the perspective going out there into the world if we don't understand it ourselves. We have to be transformed. Well, how do we do that? By spending time in His Word. Every one, every one of those top ten is in here. Learning something new. Going outside of my comfort zone. Serving others. Loving my neighbor. All of it is found in God's Word. There's also something else that's found in God's Word. It's over in Hebrews 10.25. It says, do not neglect to come together. What does that mean? It means we need community. We need our brothers and sisters around us. We need community building us up. The part that convicted me, and maybe it will convict you this morning, I don't know. Because I don't know where you're at. But the world out there will tell you that a regular attender for church is once in a while there are people that will say i'm a disciple of god i am a true believer i go to church regularly when's the last time you were in church two months ago you are not a regular attender of church you don't come together as a community like you're supposed to if you're coming every once in a while If you're not in a Bible study, if you're not in a small group, if you're not at youth group, if you're not at senior adult ministry, if you're not part of a ministry, part of a community, coming to church, being held accountable by your brothers and sisters and letting God work through you, you are not regular. And that change is going to take a lot longer. Because the world is holding on to you. And it's convincing you that you will never escape your past. You will never be more. It's convincing you that your addictions that you either had or have is all you ever will be. Maybe what you need to do is start reading more. Maybe what you need to do is get involved in a Bible study. Maybe it's start coming to church more. Maybe it's being involved in youth group more. Maybe it's finding an outreach that you can plug into. 
I issued a challenge to our students to get 60 students to sign up for D-NOW. Last day, they had 51. They had three and a half hours to go. And I had a few of them come up and argue their case. that They needed some motivation. Yeah, I lost that challenge. Which is why I'm standing here with a bald head and chartreuse goatee in front of you. But this is so worth seeing that. And being a part of this. Being a part of the greater community. As I said, last night was a little bit of a heavy and important factor. We did a three-part invitation. Do you need Christ in your life? Do you have a relationship with God, but you're distant? Do you have a relationship with God, but you aren't doing anything with it? You need help being a disciple. You need help going out and reaching. We had hands show up on those last two. And we had two that were in the room that accepted Christ for the first time. God was moving. When Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins and take on the wrath and judgment which we deserve, which is the punishment for sin, something else happened. It didn't just create a pathway for us to connect to him. It created a pathway for him to connect to us. Pastor Ernest hit on that last week. It creates a bridge. It creates a pathway for us to have that relationship now. For us to be transformed now. For us to be engaged now. We can and do have a relationship with him today if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's up to you on how real it is. If you truly have God at the center of your heart, if you truly have that relationship, if you've truly taken that step and said, God, you are the most important thing to me, then your actions, your words should represent it. You should be heavily engaged in whatever possibility you can to serve, to share the gospel. I was talking to a couple of our students yesterday, and I said, hey, you can share the gospel in three minutes or less. And we all should be able to do that. Because the most average conversation you have with somebody out there in this world is about five minutes. Three of them should be the gospel. And if not, then we need to check in here. This world will tell you you can never escape. But the world does not control our future. Our present and our future are made new by the loving sacrifice, grace, and mercy of our Heavenly Father. I want you to let these words sink in as I'm saying this to you. The past is gone. The ship has been burned. There is no turning back. 
There's only one victory to secure, only a kingdom to advance, God's kingdom, and he is calling you to do it. What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? I'll tell you what we're waiting for. We're waiting for somebody to show us that we don't have the bondage to our sins and our addictions. It's already been given to us. But we're dragging our feet. I'm going to invite our deacons to come up. We come to the table. Those serving in Lord's Supper. We have some of our students are going to join alongside them. And while they're up here, I want to kind of walk you through something. I want you to think about how you plan to respond to what God has done and continues to do in your life. If you are already a follower of Christ, remember what God's words has said to, about who you already are. God has made you new. You are a new person who is developing a new perspective and a new purpose in life. It doesn't matter how young or old you are, what mistakes you've already made, what addictions you've had, what addictions you currently are dealing with. It doesn't matter if you ever think, I'm not good enough. There's only one that's ever been perfect, and it ain't us. God is calling us to make a difference in this world. He is calling us to be His hands and feet into this world, this hurting world, this broken world, this world that in some fashion is calling out, going, where is Satan when you need him? we got to change that. And God is calling us to do it. we got to go out there and show them who God is. This center section here of D-Now and countless others that opened homes that had parts in it spent the weekend doing just that. Let's not let it stop. I told the kids yesterday, I don't want to stop at the end of this weekend. We need to be continuing this on for days, weeks, months, years to come. All the while remembering what he's done for us. God sent his son to die on the cross for us. He didn't say go clean up your act and I'll do something. He sent us in spite of what we were doing. And then he said let me shower you with my love. He's standing there saying come to me. Come to me. The gift is there. Come to me. Your life will be made new. Come to me. If you're somebody here who doesn't have that relationship, or who's struggling with a relationship, maybe you've grown distant, and you need to make your life right with God. Maybe you've got it right, but you need somewhere, some direction You don't know where to get plugged in, but you want to get plugged in. You know you need to get plugged in. Come talk to us. My door is always open, Pastor Ernest, Pastor Brett. Our doors are always open. 
Come talk to any of the staff. Come talk to our deacons. Come talk to the lailers. We'll point you in a direction. We'll help you see where God is pulling you. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so grateful for what you've done for us. So grateful for the ultimate gift of love, a gift that we don't deserve. You took on wrath and punishment for sin that we created, which is what you did not deserve. And you did that out of love for us. God, help us today as we remember that tremendous gift. The way your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed to cover our sins, to pay for that for us. God, I pray if there's somebody in this room this morning that does not know you, that does not have that relationship with you, God, I pray you give them the courage, the ability to step forward and say, I want that. I need that. Because my life is floundering. It's in your name we pray. Amen.